Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The Monk and the Gun captures the wonder and disruption as Bhutan becomes one of the youngest democracies, one of the world's youngest democracies known throughout the world for its extraordinary beauty and emphasis on gross national happiness. The remote Himalayan kingdom of Bhutan was the last nation to connect to the internet and television and so much more. This is such a wonderful film. It's such a genteel story about people who truly care about each other trying to figure things out in a world that's changing so rapidly around them. And just as Yak in the Classroom was such a remarkable film, this one is as well. The Monk and the Gun were joined today by the writer and director, Pao Joining Dorji. Pao, welcome to Film School. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you so much for having me here once again. This is a wonderful film again, and I know that uh, there are similarities between this and Yak in the Classroom in the sense it's filmed in Bhutan and the use of non-professional actors in this. I want to start by asking, where did the story come from? It revolves around the idea that Bhutan, at the declaration of the king, is going to become a democracy. Did that actually happen? Oh, oh yes, Mike. You know, for me as a filmmaker, I just as with uh, Lunana Yak in the classroom, I get a lot of my inspiration from true events. Um, that's what inspires me. Uh, and uh, uh, with The Monk and the Gun as well, yes, uh, you know, a, a lot of the film was based on true events. Uh, Bhutan, as you uh, mentioned, was, you know, one of the youngest democracies in the world. We were the last country to allow television, to allow the internet. And uh, when you are a country that is uh, so isolated and protected from the outside world, shutting away, you know, things like internet and television, when you suddenly open up, there has to be kind of like, uh, you know, um, uh, some sort of a course from the government as well to to introduce um, uh, its citizens to to all the change coming in. And in 2006, Bhutan did have a mock election. And uh, just as, you know, you see in the film, uh, the Yellow Party won that election as well. <laughs> Which well, you, I don't want to spoil what the Yellow Party means or what the Yellow Vote means, but I yeah. think. <laughs> so did the king, in fact, this is such an extraordinary kind of um, mindset, if you will, for a leader to do what we see in the film, which is to basically get ahead of things in a sense, in a matter of speaking and mm -hmm. say, let's be, let's begin the process of democratizing our mm -hmm. society. That's extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mike, I, uh, I studied political science in college and I was studying that in, in the U S as, as a student, I was always someone who tried to like blend in and like, kind of like, not not be so vocal in class. Uh, I think uh, being a, a student from Bhutan, that was just how I was. And it was very interesting one day, uh, our uh, political philosophy professor, he storms into the classroom and then um, uh, he was, uh, you know, shouting out. He was like, as he walked into class, he was like, you know, in, in the Prince, Machiavelli writes about the philosopher king, about how this leader comes in and he uh, legitimizes his, uh, you know, rule. 
he stabilizes the state he takes care of all the the threats that uh, you know might disrupt the stability of the state and at the peak of his power and and influence he steps down to introduce democracy and he was like this is a philosophy this has just been written in paper and no one in the history of humanity has dared to do this until now <laughs> some king in a country called bhutan is doing this and it's amazing he is the philosopher king and right then of course the entire class looks over at me and then he realizes that he has a student from bhutan <laughs> so for 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 me you know i the inspiration for this story also i think comes from my own background as a student of political science as a as as a as a boy who was growing up with his diplomat father in different embassies and the united nation missions around the world and really uh you know witnessing uh, the veneration that people had for democracy and uh how it was happening in my own country but then perceived by the locals you know with a very different attitude and i thought that would make uh you know the foundations for a very wonderful story to share with the rest of the world it is it's funny it is serious it is uh it is a look into the possibilities of human experience in the sense that it is so ingrained in the people of bhutan to live it is sort of a buddhist philosophy that seems to infuse so much of the society a society that essentially do no harm to mm. and 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 i i guess it's just it's hard to know where sort of the politics or the social interaction ends and where this philosophy of happiness begins mm. Yeah, you know, uh, I always tell people that you know I come from a country that that celebrates happiness. You know, uh, we are known as the happy country. We we have a ministry of happiness. How how amazing is that? I think I think Bhutan is the only country in the world that has a ministry of happiness. But then our happiness is defined by, as you said, Buddhist values, Buddhist definitions. so in bhutan uh, you know our happiness is based on contentment the power to and the confidence to say i have enough and uh, the mind that is accepting of the laws of impermanence and when you have those values in a world that dictates happiness with materialistic worldly values you know we are in a very unique place you know i feel like uh, that again once again lays down the foundation for amazing stories to be shared with the rest of the world. The story revolves around well there's a number of kind of holes in the in the movie. There's the monk and his master, the 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 mm-hmm. what the, the lama, the young man who who essentially does yeah. what he's being asked to do. There's the American who is looking for a gun and then <laughs> and then there's the families, the different families who are kind of invested in not only maintaining where they are but some are looking for maybe a more material things in life or there's a whole mixture of things in the film that really create the kind of insight into i think what you're looking for in this film as it came across to me is this idea of innocence yes and 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 how fragile it is or how 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 important was it for you to to be able to kind of expound and kind of examine the different aspects of innocence oh you know uh as i as i was saying you know we are a country that pursues uh, happiness through contentment and acceptance 
we are a country and a culture and a people that uh, celebrates this quality of innocence. If you ever visit Bhutan, you will see, you know, uh, especially in rural places, but the Bhutanese still harbor this beautiful quality of innocence. But uh, as you are seeing in the movie, when you open yourselves up after being, you know, in a state of isolationism for decades and you open yourself up to the modern world, you open the floodgates to change, uh, you know, to modernization, to values that are very different from who you are. Um, suddenly you start questioning who you are as well. To be innocent is sometimes seen as to be ignorant. You know, I think um, the phallus in the movie is a very, very powerful symbolism of that. When I was creating the story, the gun, you know, I, I added the element of the gun because, of course, the gun is not made in Bhutan. It is a very foreign element. And, uh, you know, it has, you know, depending on who you talk to, it, it might be beneficial or it might bring about a lot of suffering and chaos. But in a way, that is how what modernization is. You know, when I was working with my actors, I was telling the monk, for example, I was like, interact with the gun just as how the Bhutanese are in interacting and embracing modernization. And that is very innocently look inside the barrel, hold it upside down, you know, do that. And to, to counter that, I, I introduce uh, the, the phallus, which is very uh, traditional, which is very cultural to the Bhutanese. Um, yet it is an uh, it is an item that has kind of become controversial in the modern Bhutan, uh, because traditionally speaking, uh, and as I mentioned in the movie, the phallus symbolizes one's uh, it helps you achieve enlightenment. Because in the Bhutanese tradition, we believe everyone's ultimate goal is the state of enlightenment. But then the biggest obstacle to enlightenment is having inhibition, and in our tradition. Uh, you know, we must destroy that inhibition. And how do we destroy it? Well, you keep giving yourself more inhibition until you realize that there is no inhibition. Everything is non-existent. So the phallus comes in because you feel uncomfortable. Who doesn't feel uncomfortable when they see a big wooden penis? So, you know, you feel uncomfortable, but then you get used to that state of uncomfortableness and then you realize you you transcend beyond it. Uh, so the phallus symbolized that. But then suddenly when we became more modern, when we opened ourselves up to the outside world, suddenly, you know, we started, it's quite ironic because we started feeling uncomfortable with this very symbol that was supposed to destroy this sense of uncomfortableness. Palaces started disappearing in modern Bhutan after the changes that you saw in 2006. People started feeling embarrassed. Phallus paintings were whitewashed. Uh, wooden phalluses started disappearing. So uh, with this film, I wanted the culture and the tradition to be symbolized with the phallus and to come in to counter the coming of the gun. So, you know, we have that scene where both elements are together. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Pal Joining Dorji, and he is the director and writer of this wonderful film, The Monk and the Gun. It was shortlisted for Academy Award consideration for Best International Feature. Terrific film. Pal's first film, Yak in the Classroom, was a finalist for Best International Feature Film just a couple of years ago. So, Pal, congratulations. Both of your films have been at least shortlisted for an Oscar. So, For me, it's it's an amazing journey. Like, you know, I was telling people three years ago, I was on a mountaintop 16,000 feet above the sea level, charging my one camera with solar batteries with the yak in the classroom. Um, and then, you know, fast forward three years, and I, I'm sitting here with an Oscar nomination and an Oscar shortlist. 
uh, how what an amazing journey it has been um and uh, you know uh, i have to thank the academy and of course more importantly the audience you know for both the films for supporting the films all over the world it, it has been amazing and i always tell people what is an artist if the audience doesn't support him right it is the audience that inspires the artist to create more and i feel very very um honored uh, to have made two films have one shortlist and one nomination you worked with non-professional actors in both films what did you take away mm -hmm. from yak in the classroom that kind of carried over into your work in with this film the monk and the gun you know for me working on the yak in the classroom it was my first film and uh, i always tell people that uh, um you know it's not like i choose to work with non-professionals that's the circumstances in bhutan and uh, i like to make the best of it uh, you know sometimes uh, 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 you know uh, things that are your disadvantage can become your become an advantage situation and while working with the people of lunana on a yak in the classroom i realized that sometimes authentic real human stories can be found you know um, with, with these people and uh, and i think uh, that's what helped a lot with the monk and the gun i knew that at the end you know these authentic stories will come out and you know you just have to have the patience you just have to give the characters give the cast uh, kind of like the room to grow into the story something that i have done tried to do with both films uh, which might not be so conducive in the professional film industry is i try to shoot my films in a linear fashion so the characters kind of grow along with the story and uh, they feel more you know uh, as the character as as we reach towards the end of the film and that, i think that's very important couldn't agree more that feels like <laughs> you're going to be working with somebody who's a non-professional actor you have to make every everything possible you can do to make yeah. it comfortable and also i think you have to let you have to give leeway to the script as well you know i kind of let the script breathe grow with the different characters that come in and uh sometimes you know uh the the cast that come in they have their own interesting stories you know uh, because i kind of cast according to you know their own life mirroring the characters i've created and for example the lama in the film he is the lama of the village he is the only lama of the village he is building a stupa and when you have someone like him come in and he's being he personifies the very character that you have created in the script and he is that person sometimes he, he brings his own qualities that elevate the character and elevate the story to another level and as a writer and director i think you have to give that space to the non-professional actors and sometimes you'll be like oh they're non-professionals you know i want to make my story in a certain way they would know better but if you have the patience I think magic can happen. <laughs> I, I could not agree more. It feels like watching them that the level of comfort, the fact that they seem so comfortable around a camera, they seem comfortable around each other. They're not just reciting things that they've been given to say. There's a real level of, I don't know if intimacy exactly the right word, but a comfort level with the people that you can see in the mm. film. And I think that is a yeah. test. That's so many things about this film that I I truly love. And uh, I want to come to Bhutan. You're going to have to tell me how I could. We're, oh, we're, please, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I want more to, than I happy want, to. I do want to. <laughs> I, I'm serious about that. Well, uh, thank you so much. Thank you for the film, The Monk. Thank you, Mike. Congratulations and all the success and continued success. And thank you so much. Yeah.
please keep doing what you're doing. Again, we've been speaking with the director and writer of this wonderful film, The Monk and the Gun, and that would be Powell Choining Dorji. Thank you so much, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.